Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, um, we're starting a a three-part series called Worship and Wonder, exploring the three Easter events found particularly in the the book of John, but also throughout the Gospels. Um, Journeys, journeys. Who's been on an airplane before? Okay. Who's been on an airplane where, as you were boarding the flight, maybe it was raining in this country? Yeah. So a few years ago, we were on a flight, and we actually flew from Coventry. I think, yeah. Um, and we're flying to Ibiza, of all places, with uh, Daniel as a. It was crazy. We just did, we were on a family holiday in Ibiza, <laughs> dance capital of the world. And uh, anyway, as we were boarding the flight, it was, it was pouring of rain and it was overcast. But who knows that when it's, still, when it's raining, the sun is, the sun is still shining. Yes? And as we then got on the plane and we flew up to about 30,000 feet, we saw the sunshine above the clouds. And who knows that in our lives, when difficult things are happening and difficult times are, we're going through, God is still God. The sun, if you like, the sun of God is still shining um, on the different journeys of our lives. Yesterday, we had the privilege of seeing Doris. Who remembers Doris? Doris got married yesterday. Brilliant. To Jonathan from, uh, from CLM in Coventry. So Doris is now known as Doris Chand. Okay? And it was a mixture of different cultures, the wedding. It had, so Jonathan is, is, is British-born, but he's from an Indian family. And Doris, as we know, is, is Romanian, so all, a lot of her family were, were over, as well as everyone else in between, British and African people and all sorts. It was a real mixture, uh, mixed culture wedding of things that were going on. And it was great. And when you get married, it's fantastic. I mean, Jonathan was at the, begin- at the front by the altar, and he was looking, and Doris was coming, coming down the aisle looking absolutely beautiful. And his face was beaming, really was. And he, when he came to the front, he was like, yes, you know. And when you get married, it's, it's, you're embarking on another journey, start of a journey, and everything's exciting. But who knows that in married life, challenges can happen, yeah? Difficulties can come. And uh, you don't think, well, and you think, well, how can I get through this? And that's just life, isn't it? Life is, throws curveballs to us, challenges to us, and difficulties. And we're not exempt from that if we're a Christian here today. You know, many of us know that um, February last year, Leanne lost her father. And it was a time when we didn't see it coming. They were going to be selling their house. They'd lived in a married home in, in West Bromwich for many years, all, the, all their married life. And they were just about to sell and come and move, move to about to Coventry, a mile and a half from our house. And we were so excited, a time of being closer to us and uh, looking forward to the future and what, what it would have. But we didn't know that as he, they were, their house was sold and there was no turning back, that he was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, as we just prayed and believed, God, God, would you heal Terry? And it was shortly into that, that maybe you got a sense that maybe that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't maybe God's plan. And, and, and it was difficult. And it was difficult for Leanne, especially, you know, as, as a dad, sort of seeing her dad get worse and fighting the battle of cancer. In the end, the final moments of just knowing that actually he's not going to win this, this battle. But the great news about that whole story, that old episode, is he came to faith in Christ. He came to faith in Christ. And that was worth it. 
if in the short term he lost his life in this earth, but ultimately for everlasting, for eternity, he was going to have a relationship with Jesus, isn't that worth it? But it was hard, painful. And if you're honest, it still is. Because losing someone is painful, it's hard. And I'm sure many people here today or listening on podcasts may have lost people, loved ones. God doesn't exempt us from hard times. But what happens during those hard times? During those times of questioning and confusion, sadness and tears, what happens? What can we do? And we think back to that first Easter. The problem with it for us today is we know the end story. We know that Jesus came, he died and he suffered, but he rose from the dead. It's easy to say because we know the end. But what if we were those disciples there during that time? Sometimes as Christians, we focus on two elements. We focus either on the cross, thinking about, and we're in the period of Lent, we're thinking about the cross, we're thinking about um, of everything that Jesus went through. And we focus on the, the cross, we focus on Jesus' suffering for us. And then we've got the other camp of people who focus on the resurrection, the fact that Jesus was brought back to life and he was victorious over death and sin. That means if we ask Jesus into our lives, repent of our sin, we can have a relationship with Jesus, and we focus on that. But actually, there's power in focusing on both the cross and the resurrection. God, I believe, doesn't want us to focus on the resurrection, but focus on the cross. Because in that focus on the cross, we know there's times of confusion, sadness. We don't have all the answers, as those first disciples didn't have all the answers. But also, there's power in focusing on the resurrection, because there is life after death. There is hope for our lives. Amen? So God wants us to focus on both. But those early disciples, they didn't know where to focus. And this thought here today is simply this. In times of crisis, worship is priceless. In times of crisis, worship is priceless. So whatever you're going through in your marriages... Maybe you're a student and you've got intense work deadlines. You're in the working field and you've got projects looming and deadlines. And Maybe you've got friends that are ill or sick. You don't know whether actually they will make it or not. How are you going to cope? What's going to happen? Well, God's word can help us this morning. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 4. And it's going to come from the screen. John chapter 4 and the first eight verses. We're looking at, uh, the, the, over these, this three-part series, the, the Passion Week, and three significant events. And today, we're looking at a well-known um, portion of the Bible. Well-known if we're a Christian. If we're, if we're not a Christian, we're going to hear it for the first time and let it speak to us this morning. So John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, from, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. We're just going to push pause right there. So it's in Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. It's the week of leading up to Passover. And it's probably thought that Jesus every day was sleeping in Bethany and, and traveling two miles every day to go to Jerusalem, as was traditional at that time. And at Bethany, he had three amazingly close friends. Yes, he was their teacher, but he was also their friends. Lazarus, Mary, 
and Martha. And it's thought that at this time, at this supper, it wasn't actually probably at their house. It's probably at a house of a, of a man called Simon. Simon was a Pharisee, a, a leader in the Jews. Simon was also a leper. But Simon was hosting this dinner. And if you know anything about leprosy, especially at the time, there's no way if you're a leper you'll be hosting a dinner, yet, let alone be, be at one. Yet we believe that Jesus, at some point in his ministry, had healed this man called Simon. Amazing. And it says in verse 3, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. This is Mary. Mary, Lazarus, and Martha were brothers and sisters. And it was only a, a short period beforehand where Lazarus had fallen ill. And Jesus was away. And they sent messages to Jesus. They said, Jesus, would you come? Because if you come, you can heal Lazarus, our brother. He's dying. But Jesus knew that what was about to happen was going to be for the glory of God. And Lazarus died. His close friend died. And when Jesus made it, eventually made his way back to Bethany, there was mourning, there was weeping, as you can imagine, the commotion. In, and in it was Eastern times, they, 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 they mourn unlike British people. They're professional wailers and mourners making a commotion. And Jesus was, was grieved. And, and, and Martha said, Jesus, if you had been there, you could have, he, he, couldn't, he, he may not have died. And Martha too, so Mary too, approached Jesus. Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Now we know the end of the story. But just pause a moment. The one that you love, has died. And here's Jesus, who's performed many miracles. And Jesus, in the end, we know the story, he turns the tomb, tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus, uh, sorry, Lazarus comes out of the grave. It was such a miracle that actually people actually plotted to kill Lazarus because they didn't want... This, this fact that Lazarus had been risen from the dead to come popular opinion because they then would know that Jesus was, there was something about Jesus that was very special. And the religious leaders wanted to, to quash Jesus and his followers. Amazing. On the back of that story, we now have Mary who's anointing the feet of Jesus. See, this is a time where Jesus started to say that he would actually have to die. There's a time when he started to say to his disciples, I have to die. But it's a time of confusion because people didn't really understand that. People didn't really know that. But Mary was anointing his feet at this time. Verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. It's interesting, Simon's son. Was that Simon the Pharisee whose house it was? Or was it another Simon? We don't know. But Simon's son, so Judas, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
300 denarii is about a year's wage. Imagine a year's wage. Wow. Imagine a year's wage being wasted on someone's feet and possibly their head as well. Imagine you earning money for a whole year, putting it in front of you and just throwing it away. And Judas, rightly, was saying, this money is wasted. Couldn't it have been given to the poor? Verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had money and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Amazing. And the very act that Mary was doing was under criticism, it was under scrutiny. It was like, how could you do this? How could you do this? In, in Luke's account, it says about um, Simon, he was questioning Jesus about the act. You know, and Jesus returned to Simon and said, he who is forgiven much is loved much. Have you been forgiven this morning? Have you ever been forgiven by anyone? Sure we have. Have you been forgiven by God? He who is forgiven much loves much. And Mary had been forgiven so much. And she had given like this whole of this money and put it at Jesus' feet. Not in money terms, but this sweet, sweet perfume. But I think Mary had an inside track. Because this oil, this expensive oil, was... The sort of oil that you'd anoint a king. Someone was about to be, become a king, you'd anoint them on the head as kingship. You'd also anoint a priest who was going into ministry with this oil. But this oil was also used for anointing dead people before they were about to be buried. And maybe Mary thought, before even Jesus had said it, that this was going to be a suffering saviour. Although she loved her friend, her teacher, her master, maybe she knew, had a glimpse that he was going to die. And what she was about to do was lavishing a, an amazing act on her friend, on her saviour, on her master. In times of crisis, worship is priceless. When Jesus said to Simon, he who is forgiven much loves much, he was actually pointing to Simon saying, look, actually, Simon, you've, you've been healed. You've been healed from leprosy, meaning that you can engage in community once again. You can host parties. You can be invited to parties. You can attend parties because your life has been changed. But the moment I set foot into your house, as Luke writes, you didn't kiss me. This woman has kissed me. You didn't wash my feet. Yet this woman with this costly perfume has washed my feet. And I love that verse that says the house was filled with a fragrance. So what can we learn today? In times of crisis your worship is priceless because number one it costs you. 
It costs you. It costs you because when you worship Jesus publicly, like Mary was doing, she wasn't singing a song, but it was worship nonetheless. She was worshiping Jesus. She was opening up her life for criticism. People could see, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And Simon and Judas criticized her very act. And when you come to church, the church center, and you come to a worship service, and it's an opportunity for you to publicly worship Jesus, you might be criticized. Well, why are you putting your hand in the air? I went to, I had my hair cut on Friday, and uh, my normal um, hairdresser wasn't available, so I went to a different barber's, and this uh, lady started cutting my hair and got talking and um, said, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to a wedding. And uh, it's funny because at the beginning of the conversation, her language was quite colorful and everything, and then it got into the fact of, I never actually said what I did, but um, actually that was a Christian, and, and she knew the church was going to and various things, and and it was interesting because um, she said, I forgot what I was saying now. It's gone. But she'd, she'd grown up to, next to some neighbors that were Christians. And she realized that just by, by, by encountering myself and just talking to me, that she, she changed her tune. And she sort of, she realized that she... The whole conversation was talking about Jesus in the end. Isn't that amazing? Where it started off very colourful and had bouncing on, on oh, I won't go into it, <laughs> trampolines and various things. And, but it was an interesting, interesting moment. I forgot what I was going to say there, but it doesn't matter. It costs you. You can be criticised. You can be criticised. Also, it can cost you because when you're going through the mill, when you're in times of crisis or questions, Maybe questioning in your faith, if God, if you're really there, here, well, why has that happened? Why has that happened? Or why is this happening? Or why, where are you in this dark moment? But where you can come, I say come, because come to a physical public space, gather together. And when you can worship, it costs you, because you don't know the outcome of your situation. We can't put God in a box, in a formula, and say, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to have, have a blessing, and um, everything's going to work out fine. We don't know that. God has never, never said that to us. Many of the disciples died for their faith. It sounds a bit doom and gloom, doesn't it? But when you're suffering, when you're going through it, where is your worship? Where is your worship? Because when you worship, publicly when you're going through it it will cost you but there is great blessing there's amazing blessing there's amazing blessing for your life and for others because it will cost you it will cost you it's easy to worship when all things are going good isn't that right when things are going well when you've had a bonus at work and and you've had a newborn baby and and just got married everything's good everything's rosy you can come to a church service and it's easy to worship but when you're going through the mill, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. But if you do it, there is great, great blessing. But it will cost you. Number two, 
times of crisis, your worship is priceless because it has value for others. When you worship, worship is not just about Jesus. It's not just about God. It's about other people too. Paul encourages us when we worship, it's, it's not just vertical, it's horizontal because we encourage other people. And when you're going through the mill and you can come with your garments of praise and you can say, Look, I'm going to worship Jesus even though I'm going through the mill, that will put amazing, amazing courage into other people because they know what you're going through. They know what you're going through. And you don't do it just to, to make a name for yourself because it costs you. But when you worship and it costs you, and people know and they're looking at your life. They know what you're going through. It's amazing. Amazing encouragement. Because we worship Jesus, don't we? We worship Jesus. I want to encourage you, church. When you're going through the mill or not, worship. Because it encourages the person next to you. Turn to the person next to you say, your, your praise encourages me. But can I also say this? We can't praise and worship silently. You can, but corporately, that's, I don't believe that's what God wants. When we gather together, God doesn't want us to be silent. Yeah? God does not want us to be, hold back and be silent. Because as we worship Jesus, no matter what our situations, it brings glory to him. And even more when it costs you. Because people are looking on at your life. I found this in the gents. Who says the, uh, the women's toilets have to smell good? There you go. How's that smell? Smell okay? Scent of jasmine. Air freshener. But when you pray... Praise when you worship and it's costing you. It fills the house with a scent. Not to say with Jasmine. Because it costs you. Each time you pray a prayer and it costs you to do it. It fills the house with a scent. It has value for others. And the final thing, in times of crisis, your worship is priceless. It has value for Jesus. See, worship isn't just about encouraging each other. It is about Jesus. We worship Jesus. We worship, everyone worships something. Yeah, Everyone on planet Earth today worships something. What is worship? It comes from the Anglo-Saxon word worth-ship. Something you ascribe worth to. And everyone puts worth on something. It could be their favorite football team or rugby team or, or whatever it is. But if you're a Christian here today, the person that we should be putting the most worth on is Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have been forgiven from our sins. And we say it so glibly, so quickly. But you've been forgiven from everything that you've done wrong. If you said sorry, if you've said, I, I, I choose to follow you, be Lord of my life. Forgiveness is an amazing, amazing thing. And every time you worship, and when you worship and it costs you, it's precious to Jesus. It has value for Jesus. And when you pray, when you sing, when you clap, when you're going through the motion, it does fill the house. 
But can I say this? When we together worship, when we together collectively say, I'm going to come to a church service today, and I may not be a bit British, and do you know what? You're looking at a, quite a, a, a shy person. Yeah? When we worship, and we collectively worship, and Mervyn's laughing, he knows what's coming. When you worship, and we collectively worship, and we think, you know, I'm not going to hold quiet. I'm going to be exuberant. Even if it's not my personality, even if it's not what I do, guess what happens? It fills the house with the fragrance of praise. It fills the house with the fragrance of cost and love because it is worth something. It's worth something. I'm sorry that it smells, but it was worth something. It's something beautiful in the eyes of Jesus, our Savior, because it's cost you to bring that worship. And church, if I'm honest, some Sundays I think, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? If I'm honest, sometimes I think we're going through the motions Going through the motions because we come and, and it sounds like there's only a few people singing. And, and sometimes, and I'll be honest, sometimes when there are fewer people in a church service, I know it's harder to sing. It's harder to make a noise because we, we're more aware of each other. But come on, church, bring your praise. Bring your praise no matter what. It doesn't matter whether this side is full or that side is full. It's precious to Jesus. It's precious to Jesus. Don't hold back. One of the things I love about this church is it's an international church. So come on, international people. Lead the way. We're British. We're reserved. Lead the way. Come on. Don't hold back. British people, get over yourselves and myself. Come on. Jesus is worthy of our praise. It has value for Jesus. And Jesus said about Mary, what she's done, wherever the gospel is preached, it will be a memorial to her. And it's one of the few accounts that is written in all four gospels. Why? Because Jesus, to Jesus, it was precious. It had value. Come on, church. Rise up and praise. You know, some mornings, and I'm just speaking from the heart, I think we should pack up and go. Yeah? No, be honest. Why? Because it feels like we're going through the motion. And you might have had a really hard week. Would you guess what? I'm not exempt from hard weeks. I'm not exempt from hard weeks. I've not got a badge that says Superman. I'm just a man. But I'm going to bring my praise. Not because it's a job. Because Jesus is worthy of my praise. And he's worthy of your praise. So come on, liberate yourselves. Now, how do we praise? We're going to go into that in the next few weeks. It's fine. But the, the, the least you could do is sing a song with full gusto. Now, I don't know, gusto, is that a musical term? What does it mean? Uh, welly. With welly. Sing a song with welly. Yes. And if you, and I love clap, clap, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> Pat is a brilliant clapper. You know, now, now sometimes churches like ours are, are, are nicknamed Happy Clappy Churches, okay? That's a great name because clap is about making noises. Now, you might not be, now some people can't necessarily clap in time. doesn't matter. Give, give Chris a challenge on the drums. Clap out of time. 
Make a noise. Why? He's worth it. It has value for Jesus. Oh man, I'm just going to quickly, time has gone, but I'm going to have us, um, guys, just get on. We've sung some great songs today. And I'm not just about singing songs. And let me, let me say, guys, well done. Church, well done today. You, you've done really well. And I'm not, not patronising you, but I felt in our worship today, we have worshipped today. But look around. We're, we're perhaps busier than normal. My encouragement to you is next week, bring your praise. Yeah? If we're less in numbers next week, let's make even more noise. Yeah? Don't think, oh, someone's going to hear my voice. Well, the Bible says make a joyful noise. Give it some welly, some gusto. Let's fill this house with fragrance. I love that. I love that. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Let this house be filled with the fragrance of your praise and your worship. Amen? Not because I'm preaching and I'm asking you to, but because Jesus is worth it. If he hasn't worth it, worth it he might as well go home. Let's not be religious and go about our religious acts. Jesus died. And Easter is all about Jesus' death, but his resurrection. And you may not have all the questions. You might be questioning and go through crisis, but God knows. And it's priceless. It's, it's priceless when it costs you to worship. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing that song. Song number three. And let's just let our worship arise to Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spray this anymore. I think we're, we're gagging right now. But your, who knows, your worship it smells even better than that. Yes? Your worship is more fragrant than the scent of jasmine. Because it's beautiful to Jesus. Lord, I pray as we worship you right now. Lord God, that you would accept our worship. For some of us, it's costly. Because we had a difficult week or we're going through crisis or we're going through questions and turmoils and we're going through, oh, doubt. And for some of us, it's easy. But God, whatever we're on the mountaintop or in the valley today, in our situations of life, would you receive our worship right now? And may it be glorifying to you. And may it be sweet to you. And may it be a value to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.